Hi, and welcome to the Rugby Bits pod. We uh, decided to run two pods this week, um, our Springbok one, which was before this. Um, you would have uh, have seen it on, on your subscriptions, wink, wink. Um, but uh, yeah, so we decided we we're going to split them due to the length of our Springbok pod, and now we're going to tackle the rest of the Autumn Nation series. Just a little bit of housework to get by. Um, just uh, in the previous pod, Jared and I had a little bit of banter about Cheslin Colby and um and jay if i'm not mistaken you you said that colby has played 15 started 15 about 45 odd percent of the time eh? yeah and i was 10 percent off which is not bad going i don't think so he started 35 percent so what, of so his what, matches 30, at, at fullback 35 percent to be to be which fair we, we're probably both 10 percent off it, it is a fair whack. I just, you, I thought you were leaning more towards like 50%. Like that's what I thought you were like 45 high 40s. And I was like, Yeesh, that's a bit hard. But I thought honestly it was like 25, 30%. So, so we're both wrong, yeah. but maybe, maybe I'm more right. I don't know. No, I, I think I'm <laughs> definitely more right. <laughs> ah, just kidding. Um, so we welcome by, well, I'm going to welcome in Jared and Jared, you've just chatted, but Tyler's also joining us. Tyler, how are you, my man? Yeah, pleasure, pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, excited to talk about all the other rugby stuff happening and also to sit back in a podcast for once. I was just going to say on the other side of the mic, how cool is that? <laughs> it's very nice. It's, very, it's a lot more relaxing um, oh, than trying yeah. to keep the conversation going. Awesome. Well, now that I'm running the show, I also do get to gloat a little bit. I'm still currently third on the log. But that's only because there hasn't been there hasn't been a, a round a round of competition for for me to be dislodged. But I tell you, I have to milk this for as long as possible. Um, gents, on the topic of the fantasy rugby, so the Autumn Nation series are running a fantasy rugby. We've got a rugby bits podcast group set up. We only allowed fifty people, and we we've filled up chocker blocks. So thanks to all our our dirt trackers. But Jared, quickly, is there a strategy you're going to look at? And briefly, a strategy you're going to look at for week two on how to gain more points? Yeah, I, I think uh, the first one for me is getting Emiliano Buffelli in my team because I had the man in my squad. I just had him on my bench. So no. he, ranked, he racked up a good fair <laughs> amount of points this weekend while chilling on my bench. And then, yeah, I, I also put in uh, super, I put Pete Samu as my super sub. And the man got on with like five minutes to play after being like oh. Australia's main man off of the bench. So thank you very much, uh, Dave Rennie, um, bastard. I hope you lose this coming week. I tell week. you. <laughs> um, and Ophelia, I also Ophelia just was want kicking to put, everything, eh? Yeah, yeah. He was brilliant. Yes. And I just want to put it out there, hey, like congratulations to Phil. Like if, if you're listening to the podcast and you follow us on Twitter and that, please give us a shout out and let's like we can follow you back because obviously you know a hell of a lot more about rugby than us. I mean, Sean's gloating about being third, but Phil, you are 93 points ahead of Sean. Like, <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> yeah, he's brilliant. We actually, we actually have touched base with him already on Twitter. Um, uh, the Rugby Bits Twitter sphere sent out a tweet today with our top five, and um, Phil got hold of us, and Ryan, who's in second place, and um, M Emily Parker, who's in fourth place. 
and uh, and Jared, you're in you're in uh, in fifth, and and I'm in third. So our top five have all touched base. They're all involved with us on Twitter, which is great. So it's going to provide some awesome banter. Tyler, you, my man, what are what are you looking at to uh, absolutely dominate the second round? Well, yeah, I'm actually just having a chance to look through my team for the first time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, completely. <laughs> Yeah, I did the same as Sean with making Pete Samu my super sub. So that was a fantastic 1.8 points. Um, yeah, not, not too unhappy with it, I guess. Yeah, making Jordi or, or Buffelli, because um, I have both in my team, making one of them your captain would probably best serve you um, for the future. I feel like I did make Sevilla my captain, but yeah, it says I made Gail Fuku my captain, so I'm not sure about that. Um, yeah, but... I'm not too unhappy with the team. Um, my props didn't score as much as I thought what they would. So Kitzoff and Genj were a little bit on the disappointing side in that respect. Yeah, I think I think if your pops are, props are scoring points at tries and maybe making a couple of dominant tackles, I think they'll score points, but I think we're in for a low one. But for all the listeners and the Dirt Trackers, um, we put together a perfect 15 of the highest scoring players from the Fantasy League. So you can go check that out on our website. Uh, that's rugbybits.com. Uh, we've also got team trackers and all sorts of goodies. So we'll be doing that for the rest of the of the automation series. Enough about that. Um, I think we need to jump back into the Nations Cup. We had a great, great roundup and, and dissection of the Springbok loss against Wales, uh, Ireland. But we have a, a few tests to get through. So I'm going to go through um, in, in order of how they pretty much played out. But Jared, I know that uh, you were involved uh, in watching um, the Scotland versus Fiji game. A little bit of a, a bit of a roundup on that. Yeah, um, I, I think it was like just sort of one of those games that the Pacific Island nations are often involved in. That like they they stay competitive for so long, and then the wheels just come off and like they fall out of the game. So they, they were trailing Scotland 14-12 at a stage. They were leading them 12-7 at a stage. And then like just they got two yellow cards and Ben White scored uh, Ben White scored a try, Duan Funamurva scored a try. And like they, they were great for about 60 minutes and then just sort of fell off. And yeah, that does happen when when you lose cards and when you lose players to cards and yeah, Ben White's try is just ridiculous. Like he picks up from the back of the scrum. I spoke about it in the other podcast, but you've got a winger uh, packing down on the side of the scrum and he's obviously been told by his prop to scrum hard and he just forgets that uh, the scrum off can pick and go from the back of the scrum and he runs in untouched. So yeah, I, I think Fiji looks good, um, especially considering they um, were playing a center at Flahoff his first ever game at Flahoff, as far as I'm aware. And uh, yeah, Albert Tuasui had a phenomenal game. He is a serious player, that guy. Yeah, he's uh, he's playing well in the Premiership. So um, he's he's a talent. Um, I reckon he's he's worth a good few points. Um, Tala, did you get any of the Fiji game in, and and what were your thoughts? Yeah, I was actually, I was um only only was able to really watch the first thirty minutes, and I think the one thing that I picked up from that, and just obviously watching the highlights as well, was just how good Fiji has become in their pick and go game. They really were very abrasive in the forwards and and, and 
really do the trench stuff really well. I think um, Sila Matavesi had a really good game um, for them at, at Hooker, and he's just such a nice, busy player that he he, he makes a big impact. Shout out also to Matt, Matt Ferguson, who made 23 out of his 24 tackles on Saturday, so he did really well. But I think the influence of James Ryan still carries on with the Fijian team, and they're able to just, yeah, their, their forwards are getting better and better. The The gap between the Fijian forwards and, um, you know, the rest of the world is getting smaller. And, of course, they do have fantastic um, uh, talent at, 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 uh, in their back line. They did play um, Vilimani Butitu at Flyhoff. I mean, he's usually the center for, for Castro, if I'm not mistaken. He didn't do too badly, but, yeah, I wouldn't do that um, long term. Um, I, I assume someone like Ben Volavola's um, fallen out of favor you know if Fiji could somehow loan a tight five from South Africa just like one of their fourth choice tight fives and one of New Zealand or maybe not in this generation let's say one of France's many fly halves if they could get someone like Antoine Hustoy into their team you know this team would be a World Cup contender but unfortunately they're limiting those resources but yeah I think it's great for Fiji that they are able to give a bit of um yeah, uh, some good forward ball. And I think if I'm Australia or Wales, I'd be a bit concerned about um, the, the pool stages for next year. So, so Tala, you touched on Botito there at uh, Flahoff. Do, do you know why he was playing Flahoff and um, not their usual, new, usual Flahoff in Teti Tatela? What happened? So uh, Tatela lost his passport while in France. So <laughs> he, he, um, oh, they had a training no. thing in France and he lost his passport and only arrived in <laughs> Scotland. <laughs> I think he arrived on the, on the Thursday and was then put on the, put on the bench. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's uh, sort of when that came in. And you also touched on the pack and um, their number five lock, uh, Rotu, uh, Suola. I think I'm, I'm probably butchering that, but uh, what a debut from the man. Like 80 seconds into his test debut and he's going to the Simbin yellow card, <laughs> which oh, I thought was <laughs> brilliant. He comes back from his yellow card and uh, he scores a try soon after coming back from his yellow card. So fair play to him. <laughs> nice way to get nice. your test debut. And uh, one of the um, other Fijians, it, I, mean, almost, I think it was... He almost falls- he almost yeah, did a full house w- there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The the other Fijian debutant, um, I think it was their loose head prop on the bench, also came on, got a yellow card and test debut. So, so yeah, I think it's uh, the same sort of story with um, the some of the Pacific Island nations. A little bit of fitness, a little bit of ill discipline, and uh, if they can tighten up those things, they, those games become a lot closer for a lot longer. I think and just stock in some upsets. Yeah, yeah. Well, moving on to Italy Samoa. Italy ran out 49-17 winners, um, a comprehensive performance. Um, on home soil, the crowd were, were incredible. I thought um, the the front row handled himself pretty well, as, as did, well, the whole tight five. But Samoa just, it seemed like it was their first game together in a while. Um, that's kind of the look and feel of it. Um, I think they are going to get better. Chris Vui, uh, decent game. At lock, they had a great loose trio of McFarland, Taufur, and Fritz Lee, which 
it it just um, my ribs are hurting just thinking about it. Um, McFarland had a reasonably quiet game, but uh, really uh, came came good a little bit, scored, but not the not what what you're used to seeing um, at Saracens. Um, Canoni for for Italy was class. Uh, Stephen Varney at nine got man of the match. Paolo Gabisi was good, um, but I tell you the big story was Monte Iwani. We all know that that he had to leave Benetton. Um, he went back to Australia. Um, for personal reasons, he signed with the Western Force. Eesh, I speak yeah. on a correction. Melbourne but Rebels? Know. Yeah, uh, the Rebels. But yeah, um, Italy, yo, yo. I hope Dave isn't listening. I hope Dave isn't, <laughs> oh, listening, Dave to isn't listening to this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they should yeah. now that he's Jeez, left. Dave, I apologize. <laughs> Dave, I apologize in advance. Um, well, not in advance. I apologize for that. Uh, we'll filter Jared out next time. But uh, Montiwani had a flipping great game back on the wing. When he scored, everyone came in. It was it was flipping emotional and rad. Really great to see. Brex was great in the midfield. Um, and then Bruno scored a couple of tries. Tommy Allen was playing um, at 15, um, but got injured. He was so-so at the time, but he was replaced by Menicello, who, who was great. So, you know, that was... I must be honest, I was surprised by by Italy scoring 49 points um, against Samoa, who are the Pacific Nations Cup champions. So that was quite interesting. Um, but yeah, we are going to move on to... Yo, uh, one Sean, the, and we're just going to ignore one of the trials of the year. And uh, do, we, do we not talk about Bruno? Is that is that the rules? No, I mentioned him. He scored a phenomenal try. I apologize. <laughs> Joe, do you want to just talk us through that? Yeah, so I, I, uh, it's sort of one of those <laughs> tries that you would expect a, a team like France to score from their own twenty-two. Yes, they just, yes. they just run it wide, and the interplay. Honestly, it's it's just worth like it is on the um, Autumn Nations Twitter accounts. I think we missed just three or four rugby bits. I, I I will butcher trying to describe how good this try actually was. So rather go have a look at it. It was the best try of the weekend. And so Australia went and scored against France. I'll put it that way. Very, and, very uh, cool. And it was probably the trial of the year and so Australia scored against France. I'll tell you, Argentina Argentina scored a bloody good try too, but we'll get onto that later. Also, a quick um, shout to all the dirt trackers and everyone following that all the Automation Series highlights are on our website, rugbybits.com. After that, and after being reprimanded by Jared for not mentioning that try, uh, we're going to go into Wales versus New Zealand. Now, that was something that I didn't expect. Uh, I'll be honest, I expected more from Wales. But Jared, I'm going to jump, bring you back in here and just let you take us through what happened and how New Zealand, like on New Zealand back, um, or was this a splash <laughs> in the pan, or were, New Ze- or were Wales just massively shit? Like, what happened? I think it's a combination of it all. And uh, yeah, I, we we keep, uh, well, New Zealand keep teasing us that they're back. And then they put a performance like they did against Wales in, and then they'll go and play the way they did against Japan. So yeah, I, I'm I'm not throwing it in and saying New Zealand are back. They need to back it up. Um, I thought Adi Sevilla was incredible. And um, Cody Taylor went from being one of the worst hookers in Test Rugby to actually knowing how to play the game. And we went and absolutely tore him to shit. And I think if 
if he listens to the Rugby Bits podcast, Cody, if you're listening now, obviously he does. We we, we would like to um, we would like you to send us a message just to say thank you for lighting that fire under <laughs> your belly and absolutely tearing you to shit. And obviously it worked because you played like you were pissed off, and it came across. And uh, well done, man! It was a hell of a performance. Lineouts were good. Uh- Brutal with ball in hand, brutal at the breakdown, solid on defense. What else can you ask for from Yorker? I think I actually think I think because you guys were ripping him, and I was saying, listen, he is a lot better than that, and I think he actually did it for me, like and just basically to give you guys the middle finger. But yes, Tyler, you want to do uh, add a little bit of value to this amazing conversation. <laughs> I, I, I think no, he's still on fraud watch before no. Tyler gets on. Still on fraud Don't watch. <laughs> never, never. It's Cody Taylor, no, my man. I'm not going to let two close range tries from Cody Taylor like change what we saw for the last year. Like he's been Thank absolutely you. horrible. Wales has been. I don't know how Wales didn't <laughs> um, like punish um, Ian Foster for that. Now, I think this is almost like the perfect storm for, you know, if you have an anti-New Zealand bias. Um, there's this, I th- yeah, I'm not sure if you guys will know about him, but maybe some of the dirt trackers will. There's this um, sports commentator in, on ESPN called um, e- um, Stephen A. Smith. And he likes, yeah, mm. he's, you know, very much a hot tech merchant. And he loves talking about the Dallas Cowboys. And he loves saying that basically the Cowboys will always have like a run of games where they look good and they look like they're going to win the Super Bowl, all that sort of stuff. And he's like, that's the best thing for him because that hope will then come crashing down because they'll build sort of their team on like the great performance that they had against smaller teams. And then when it comes to the real like knockout stages on the playoffs, then they, those players fail. And I think somewhat in this game, this is, this, this, the, these are probably the consequences that will happen in this game. You know, I obviously I haven't watched the game in full yet, um, but the one try that I saw from Wales, the try scored by the young um, winger from Wales, I'm blanking Rio on his Dyer. name. Rio Dyer. On debut, yes. what a try. Fantastic try, but guess who left a massive gap in defense? Moonga, Ioani, and Caleb Clark. <laughs> that whole... Well. That whole combination of people, I don't even want to blame Rico Moore or Caleb Clark Moore, but just that combination doesn't know how what to do to defend. I think actually I will blame someone. It's more Caleb Clark's fault. Like he's always <laughs> either way too wide or made way too narrow in defense. I don't think there's a look, Caleb he's Clark. He's fighting plays, his way back into form, eh? They're giving him every opportunity to to regain form. But he's not a great rugby player, to be quite blunt about That's it. Brutal. He's yes. a fantastic ball. Hot. He's a good Tyler strikes again. Look, he's a fantastic <laughs> runner of the ball. I mean, he will have that run where he goes for 60 meters and beats five defenders like every game. Like it's a trademark for him. And I think he's not like, I think maybe he's is struggling with form, like you said, Sean, but I think there's just some game awareness things that he's just not good at. He's always found wanting defensively. He turns like a 18 ton truck when he, when the balls kick behind him. Like there's just some things that I think, you know what? All black wingers always have a short shelf life, but I I can't see, you know, if Clark, I, I, unless Clark really improves those sort of skills, there's no reason why they can't be playing several reset wing once Will Jordan comes back. But yeah, just to answer your question, Sean, unfortunately, Scotland is quite horrible, so I can't trust them to do a surprise win. And England also doesn't look too good. So 
there's a good possibility New Zealand goes unbeaten, but that will be absolutely perfect for everyone in the World Cup because they'll Agreed. still play Rico Yoni at center. They'll still play Caleb Clark on the wing. They'll still play the, the probably the best fullback at the world in center. He's a very good center, but he's not, you know, Boyden Barrett is nowhere near the, the fullback that Jordy Barrett is. So this is great. And if Cody Taylor can play for another year and look average and, and miss his throws in, in lineups, fantastic for, for France, fantastic for the box in Ireland as well. Well, uh, Tolo, if I can, there's some uh, serious Sean, stuff sorry. that needs to be unpacked there. No, go for it. So, so if I can jump on the Caleb Clark slander and uh, just add him to my awesome nations team of the week, um, uh, fantasy team while, while we're doing this, because that seems to be what the all black players do is produce after we throw some heat on them. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I do, I do agree with you, Tyler. Like Clark reminds me of um, Joe Cockner Signa that I think they in the squad at the moment, because they need some SARS in the, in the back line. Like if, if you look outside of, um, Outside of Jordy Barrett, there's not a lot of SARS in that all-black backline, and that's where what Clark adds in bucket loads. So he, he's there because when you do um, run plays, he draws in defenders because he is a big lad. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's long and short of it is I agree with you, and I'm putting Caleb Clark in my fantasy team this week. Brilliant. So on that, I, I will say I uh, made... Um... Simpsoni Takiaho, my super sub, and expected him to come on and have at least 40 minutes. And then Koli Tehada scores two tries, and I knew that Takiaho wasn't going to spend a lot of time on the field, so I was a bit nervous. Fortunately, he came on and scored a try. Yeah, that's uh, that was that was great for me. But I will tell you, though, with regards to that midfield and what's happening there, with uh, Anton Leonard Brown coming back in the mix, um, they brought him back on and moved Rico Ioani to wing, where he made a hell of a lot of meters and made his stats look amazing. Um, but most of it wasn't done at 13. So that is uh, going to be interesting. I think maybe once that happens, they're going to move Rico probably a little bit more. Um, and But I, I tell you one thing, I quite like Geordie Barrett at 12. I have no issue, issue with Geordie Barrett playing at 12 and Bowden Barrett at 15. Um, Tyler's dropping some serious bombs there by saying that um, Geordie's infinitely better. I don't think he is. I think they probably both have their own pros and cons. Um, Bowden Barrett's probably the best cover defender in a, as a fullback in the world, um, along with a whole bunch of other goodies. Maybe he doesn't have the boot, but to have Geordie Barrett at 12 and Bowden Barrett at 15 in order to incorporate both of them in, I don't think you could do much worse. Tyler, time to defend yourself. Just very quickly, um, I think what I think your point about Bowden is a little bit wrong because I think Bowden post concussion is not as good a defender as he was like a year or two ago, yeah. and that's just yeah. I think there's just genuinely a fear that he has with obviously putting his head into uncomfortable places. That's why in the Blues he doesn't um, defend at fly half; he defends at the back. And yeah, obviously Geordie's ability at the air, like it's amazing. So if Geordie's playing, you know, the likes of England, Wales and the Springboks, I would definitely play him at fullback before I play him at centre. But I get why he's being played at centre because, you know, he is that big body that none of the other centre options are. And he's obviously just a better ball player than, you know, a David Havili or a Roger Tuvasa Shekers. Not sure. I think Leonard Brown is probably competing more with Rico Ioani than he is with um, Geordie Barrett. So. I think he'll probably I think, 
be Oof. looking for that 13 position. But yeah, I think I, Leonard Brown I think needs that, to be fit and he can then yeah. play, they can then decide where they want to play him at 12 or 13. So if they feel like having some two big boys at mid in midfield, they can have RTS at 12 and Leonard Brown at 13 or Jordy Barrett at 12, Leonard Brown at 13. If they feel like they need to have pace out wide and they need to stretch teams, they can put Anton Leonard Brown at 12 or Jordy at 12 and then Rico at 13, sadly. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I think this almost works out well because Ian Foster will sort of keep on doing sort of the bad habits that have limited him in in, mm, in mm. the bigger games this this season. Yeah, and on the Welsh side, I think Rio Dyer on debut and he scored a great try. I thought he had a very good game. Everyone's pointing out that Jordy uh, Barrett out jumped him and scored a try. That's not going to blemish his his debut. Um, you know, it'll be something that he'll be he'll be a bit disappointed in, but it by no means spoiled it. He had a really, really good game. And I tell you, Rio Dyer, just the way that he approached the game, he really didn't seem to be deer in the headlights. He rucked well, and he's not a massive guy. He rucked well. He had really good form on that, and he tried to get involved a lot, which was great. Before kickoff, um, they lost uh, Lee Halfpenny, so they moved Gareth Anscombe to 15 and started Reese Priestland at 10. Very interesting. Um, not bad. I thought Anscombe had a decent game. Um, the midfield of Tompkins and North was solid. I really thought they were. And I think Tompkins and North really kept the the All Blacks sort of at bay for as long as possible. Um, Chunza uh, is is a man for the future. I, I reckon that Chris Chunza is going to be a 50-plus test match player for Wales. He's incredible. He he probably needs to start at four pretty soon, but you know, to dislodge Will Rylands at the moment is going to be a little bit hard. But I really reckon that that he's got he's in the mix. And I tell you, um, the loose trio of of Tipperick, Tommy Riffle, Tommy Turnover, and Talupa Falata was was quite interesting. But gents, I'm not sure if any of you guys heard um, the clip from Murray Mexted. Mexted came out saying that he has a massive issue with the All Black loose trio. And he thinks that Dalton Papai-Li'i is better suited at eight and Adi Sevier is better suited at seven. Obviously, this weekend's performance really doesn't help uh, help his cause too much. But Jared, you you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, I, I think he has a point to a degree. Um, I think Adi at the back of the scrum is what you want, um, especially on attack. Um, they could switch positions on defense. I think uh, Dalton... Dalton's a skillful player and the way I understood it is that he wanted Dalton doing a lot of your um, kick return carries and that kind of thing so I think it's naive just to say I know just switch the jersey numbers I think giving Dalton a lot more of the um, specialist eight uh, responsibilities is a decent way of going about it and letting Artie play more as an open side flanker which is his bread and butter but yeah I Shannon for results still the problem in the All Blacks uh, back road, and it's just because I don't like him. And I'm just going to put it out there. Him, him and Reese are the problems there. Don't you yeah. just know that? And I think it's uh, <laughs> just putting that out there. Um, just a shout out to the Blood and Mud Rugby Podcast, Josh Gardner. I think it's Josh Gardner there. Yeah, it is. Um, he was writing in. He was covering the game in the Guardian and uh, called oh, Shannon for it. Was it him? And uh, <laughs> yeah. And Sevi Reese out Brilliant. for um I, I'll read the one thing here. It says um 
before the ball is kicked towards Severis, who also takes a break from hitting woman not to catch uh, to not catch it cleanly. So yeah, shout out to him um, making sure that uh, the dickhead culture of the All Blacks is still going strong. So so yeah, yeah um, pulling out domestic on, violence. Damn straight, damn straight. Um, mm. Just also quickly on Jordy Barrett out jumping Rio Dyer. Like I don't think Dyer should cop any blame for that. Jordy Barrett will do that to Freddie Stewart. He will do that to Lee Liam Williams. He does. He will do that to anyone. Um, so yeah, I shout and shout out to. So Lupu Felatal, 26 tackles without missing. The man was playing like a, an animal. He plays out of his skin. And I tell you, Adi Savir with a great, I think it was an Instagram post where he was swapping jerseys with Felatal, but he very, very clearly made sure that everyone knew that Felatal was a, was a legend. So, so that's great. Now, possibly, oh, we, we, we kind of had three game, game of the weekends, but this most certainly was one for a number of reasons. Obviously, it was settled by a point. Um, it had very close to the try of the year from Australia and also a bloody sensational try from Damien Pinot. Um, But France beat Australia in Paris by a point thanks to that try. Tala, I'm going to lean on you now. And I just, so firstly, there's something that we, we need to settle and that is the Nick White and and uh, and Dupont Antoine Dupont debate because Nick White doesn't seem to be valued by by many many people. But Dupont was in White's pocket for at least the first quarter of that game. Is there anything else you want to you want to add to that? No, I think that's a that's not a that's a fair assessment. I think um, you're not far off when you say that. It's yeah, I don't think I've seen Dupont play a worse. Um, game at, at scrum half, which is probably bad news for the Springboks. But I think Nick White did a really good, good um, job of like just keeping him under pressure and just not letting him get you know the a flow in his game. Obviously, Dupont is the most watched <laughs> player in the world, probably around the ruck. So being able to stop him to only get eighteen meters and only have the thirteen carries and only beat the one defender, like. That's probably most people's like decent game, but obviously for Dupont, that's a bit of a disappointment. But yeah, I think what Nick White did, he, he made it from that first ruck and just interrupting him, um, getting the ball out. And I think it was just in his head the whole time. Look, I think the the main story from this game is France looked a lot looked very rusty. They looked like a team where a lot of their players are, are coming back into play or are playing their first games of the season, such as or second games in the case of Cyril Bay or haven't played since September in the case of Roman Tamak, who didn't have a good game himself, or just aren't really as fluid as they were in, in, in April, in the, or March and April in the Six Nations. So I do think a lot of the, the, the performance from France is based, or is the, the lack of performances because of that. But I think big points can be taken off, um, um, can be taken by Australia in, in, the, in, in, in them matching the French kicking game. So we know that France, like one of their big secrets, or not so much of a secret, is that when they kick, they kick very long, and they kick so that they can put pressure on you, so you can kick it out, um, you know, still in your half, and then France can like set a platform from there. But Australia was able to match that. Their positioning was really good. Um, their decision making in the second half, especially, was great because I think um, Jock Campbell and the back three was trying to run it too much in the first half. But in the second half, they decided, no, we're going to kick back and try to push them back as well. So 
So it became a bit of a ping pong game. But that's kind of what you have to do to, to beat France is kick long and to put them under pressure and to put them off their game so that they're not launching attacks from your own half. They're launching attacks from, you know, behind the, the, the halfway line. And then it's a lot easier to contain the, the likes of Pinot and DuPont if you, if you have to do that. Very quickly on, 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 on just some of the star performers, I think Charles Olivon, who was the man of the match, was fantastic. He was just everywhere. And I think the mustache really looks good on him. So he, he can definitely take that forward. Um, on the Australian side, I think um, it was a good cameo from Moore Skelton, but I think uh, the, the, the best performer was probably Taniela Tupo, who found his form after, you know, he didn't have the best rugby championship, but he really scrummed well against um, Cyril Bai, who also was coming back from, from his injury. And some of the collisions that, Bai, I mean, that um, Tupo and uh, Uni Antonio had, I think they registered on the Richter scale. I, I don't know if you guys fault them where you guys are, but they were absolutely oh. massive. I, I winced every single time it happened. Hey, it was frightening. <laughs> it, those are, those I, are two massive humans. They should not <laughs> be in the same place together. That's illegal. It's, it's really scary. Like that shouldn't happen again without some form well, thank, of like regulation. Well, thank, good, thank goodness Big Ben isn't playing for Australia as well. I mean, imagine we had Ben <laughs> Tamiafuna and Taniela Tupa and and Tony is deciding that he wants to run at them. And then Will Skelton. I mean... No, thanks. The, yeah, there was that one play where Skelton put a nice little deft inside ball to Tupo. I mean, imagine that combo running at you. Um, <laughs> I but think then, Will Skelton's going to be starting next week. Probably, probably, yeah. He starts against Italy and probably starts against um, the Irish as well. And then, yeah, very quickly, just other good performers. Um, Thomas Ramos, you know, according to Nick Malati, only kicks. But I think everyone else that watches the top 14 knows that he's on fantastic form for Toulouse and he had a fantastic game. I think he was just really good. He made all the right decisions with the ball in hand, kicked really well from the tee and, and from the boot as well. And yeah, he put a lot of, um, I think he, he put a lot of pressure on Melvin Jaminet. I think his place both in the Toulouse and in the French team is under threat. But yeah, mm. I think we, we can't go on without talking about the two tries that happened in this game. One was an individual effort that won the game from Damien Pinot and just, you know, his ability to finish. Someone said he is the best finisher in the world. I think he's right up there. I think he's definitely in that conversation mm. for best finisher and just his ability, not only to be like really pacey, but just that power, like he can hand off someone when he needs to. And then, yeah, I'll let you guys continue to describe it, but that try from the end of the world from the Wallabies was fantastic. The one note I have is, it was such a random tap back by Bernard Foley to start it because he didn't have to tap it back. He could have caught it. He would have been in the air, so he, didn't, he, won't, he wouldn't be tackled. And the tap back was actually relatively risky, but um, Len Ikita was able to clean it up and then to get the ball off to, to the back line. So that made the try. So good, I guess, on Foley, but that was really a risky thing for him to do. I, I also just wanted to... Um... Give a Jock Campbell a round of applause for for him because uh, he got the ball. I think it was um, Foley to Ikital to Campbell, and being a youngster on debut, like if Campbell kicked it and he got it just outside the twenty-two, nobody would have batted an eyelid and they would have said, "Well done, sir." But for him to keep a, a ball in hand, look, seeing that there's space and there's an opportunity, and getting the ball wide, fair play to him and. 
when when have you ever seen Damian Penno cast like that? Like Tom Wright's like just all of a sudden hit hit the NOS over there and went into extra gear. Yeah, that's crazy. Penno Penno is quick. He's quick. But you know, we can't we can't not mention the number five lock for France, Thibaut Flament. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of it, but do you know that he was playing in England for a fifth team side? And he was actually playing fly half for Lobra Fifth's team before no making a little trip to Argentina and then Serious? went back to France. And uh, and yeah, and then he made his way and now he's playing test rugby. I mean, it's not a well-known fact and people never talk about it and neither do the commentators ever mention it, but I just thought I'd let you guys know. Oh, thanks, Sean. That, 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 I'm, I'm glad I know that now, hey. I, I will never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to incorporate a quick, a quick little quick tap, just a quick one. Who has the best moustache? Is it Nick White or Gregory Aldrit? Gregory Aldrit, oh, it's French. Who did you mention? Like, it's not even... You... I don't think Aldrit <laughs> so even has because... one. It's, it's Olivon, but it's Olivon. Olivon. He, he's French. Oh, damn it, yeah. man. It's Olivon, so it's because but he's, he's French. Tala? Yeah. Tala, Olivon or White? Who's got the best tash? I'm sorry, but Olivon's mustache is is actually is absolutely sexy. Like that is Majestic. a fantastic mustache. No, he's French. No, well. Shout out to Nick. Yeah, Damien the Allender also had a decent one, by the way. Yes, <laughs> but I reckon yeah. Damien. I reckon he shaved that morning and then grew that in the afternoon before kickoff. <laughs> that looks like he has to shave twice a day. So, anyway, enough of that. <laughs> More to the rugby. Um. Gents, Australia, are, are they, is that them turning the corner? Like, no. are, are, are they going to go up and, <laughs> you say that more, out, it sounds like more out of fear <laughs> than, <laughs> than, than it's actually, definitely than not actually out of game fear. analysis. No, <laughs> like, Australia How, might why, be why turning not? the, why? because they're so inconsistent. They like the Springboks at the moment. Like one decent performance isn't going to turn things around. Like you need to back it up. Uh, one swallow not does not make point. a winter, huh? Yeah, exactly okay. that. Like that, that's how I see it. Until they got Quake Cooper okay. back, I don't see them becoming a consistently good side. Oof. The thing is, is they're putting these performances, they can still get Cooper, they still are going to get Cooper back and Karevi and Will Skelton's going to start starting. And mm. Arnold's going to be back in the mix. I, I won't lie. And I know we've spoken about it before, but Australia are serious, serious dark horses for the World Cup. Tyler? No, uh, it's going to come too early for them. I think Australia's, the, Australia's kind of like France was in 2018, 19, well, 2019 mm. mostly, where they're the next team. Like they're the next team for the mm. next World Cup. And I, I just, I'm worried that Dave Rennie, um, correct me if I'm wrong, chaps, but he is extended until 25, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think so. It was a long one, yeah. Oh, fuck. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, know. like, I'm sure, if I'm sure not, we got a long one. But Jared, whatever you say, I would agree with. <laughs> to be fair, but yeah, you're, you're a little look, bit more on the pulse there. Let's, yeah, let's just say he isn't. I think the focus for the Wallabies should be on 2025 and 2027. You've got a massive Lions tour. You've got the World Cup that you're hosting at home. So why are we playing Bernard Foley? Like, Bernard Foley is a fine, decent option to throw in. He's basically there more next day and he can 
you know, kicks well off the tee and all that sort of stuff. But more than anything, you should, I think they should try to give the rest of these games to Nolo Lucio so that he can play and get some experience uh, at fly half in, 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 in the European conditions. And I think, you know, whatever they do now should be to, you know, move um, their team forward for the future, not mm, to mm. try and win the present. The, the present, I think, is almost lost. They, I think Australia is that team that, you know, because that other side of the draws, I, I wouldn't say it's easier because Argentina and England and Wales are lurking, but, you know, it is, an, it, it is a less treacherous part of the draw. They can get to World Cup semifinal. I wouldn't be too surprised. But okay. they have to... I think that they, 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 there's no corner turning. Like Jared said, there's the sort of team that will be, that will win, um, you know, against um, Scotland. Well, they'll win again. They almost won against France, but they can also easily lose to Italy next week. So, you know, it's up and down for them and that's where they'll stay. I have a quick tap question. Who can put three winning performances together to win the World, to win the World Cup? You've got to name... One one team, one team. France, but South Africa is very close. But yeah, I think France is top of that ranking. Then South Africa, but France by a little hair. But yeah, Jared, I think the honest name, Jared, the name honest one side. Nobody. <laughs> Jared, name one side that can put three winning performances together to win the World Cup. In in order, France, South Africa, New Zealand. Which part of one was hard? Okay, so France. Okay, I, did, I gave you the number one. I gave you th- two <laughs> bonus ones as well. Ireland is above New Zealand in my opinion, but yeah, okay. we'll leave it there. Okay, okay, right, gents. Moving on to probably was what probably what was. Oh, I'm struggling here. My bad. Was the game of the weekend and the shock of the weekend, and we continuously, <laughs> continuously disrespect Argentina, but Argentina. And Jared, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead off with you here, my man. Argentina put in a great performance. They beat England 30-29 at uh, Twickenham. I personally thought England were looking really good and settled, but didn't then kick it on. And Argentina were there and thereabouts. They snapped with two tries, and you know when the Pumas score a couple of tries and they get their tails up, they are virtually unstoppable. Um, and it takes a mammoth effort, and you really need to change your your mindset. Where did it go wrong for for England? And is this a worry for their World Cup hopes? Yeah, I don't think it'll be a worry. Um, Eddie Jones will probably play it off and say we don't want to show too much in uh, this autumn, and uh, that the performance wasn't too bad. But England looked flat. They had to a laggy there. I don't think they used him well enough. Um, I did say that England without laws is a bit of an issue. So, yeah, I, I think it's a bit of a um, – that's sort of where they they struggled. Um, I think Argentina had a few sniffs and they took them. And having Emiliano Buffelli in your team is a bit of a cheat code as well. I know he missed one of his shots at goal, but he's it was incredible again. And, uh, yeah, I think checkers get in that side um, – working well and they're well oiled and their pack is fantastic like thomas gallo went from being one of the worst loose head props in world rugby in the first half to absolutely annihilating england in the second half so fair play to him but yeah um he's been performing 
uh, this whole year. So uh, it's been down. his his rise, his rise has been has been quite impressive. Yeah, I think he's up and down um, most of the time. Like he okay. he's literally up and down within a game. Like great for forty minutes, terrible for thirty, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, otherwise it's all in all, it was a very average performance from England. I think once they lost Genge, everything just went to shit for them, and uh, it it hurt. Um, yeah, fair play to Argentina. I don't want to downplay their their victory. I think it was a hell of a performance. Uh, Santi uh, Carrera still doesn't inspire me as a fly half, but he continually performs when it matters. He, he was one of the big players for them Crazy, when they yeah. beat New Zealand. Eh? Yeah, it, it's, I'm still not sold as him, with him as a fly half, but he just does does the, the business when they need it. So. So yeah, um, I thought Del Fuente yeah. and Maroni were fantastic as well. They hardly gave an inch in the senses. And yeah, overall, I, th- I think Argentina were the better side on the day, and the better team won. Like I think most of the t- most of it happened over this weekend. And uh, I think in this game, in the France game, it sort of showed the value of having an accurate goal kicker. And saying that as a book fan this week really, really hurts. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Tyler, so Alex Coles uh, started at four. He was on debut, if I'm not mistaken. Um, sorry, I probably should know that, but they moved Marrow Toje to six. Um, you reckon that they're going to move Marrow back to four and then have a look at another option there while they wait for laws? Or you think they're going to try out with Coles more? Coles, to me, is not really a tight five four. He's more, he's a little bit looser. Um, and uh, I just think that maybe they lost out a bit there, or am I reading into this a bit too much? Yeah, look, I mean, he had a great game. Um, all things considered, I think he played really well um, for his debut, you know, made a lot of meters, um, beat three defenders. So he's, I think he'd be better as an impact player and to sort of be a reserve six. Um, but I would go... And I guess you can get away with it against Japan. Um, depending on if, if he plays with his best team, I would go uh, Willis Curry for Nipola um, in, my, in my loose trio. So yeah, this will be a very interesting game for Eddie because you don't, I guess you want to still test out a few options for um, in the J- Japan game because this is supposed to be the easier of the, of the games um, that you have left. But you don't <laughs> want to take the risk of losing against Japan and then facing the All Blacks next week. And yeah, you because you've lost against Argentina, you need to put in a big performance here. So I think the likes of Curry and Natoja are probably going to get a rest if they won um, this this on Sunday. But now I think they'll have to put in double duty against the the Japanese squad as well. But yeah, I would if I if assuming England goes with their best team, um, I would go Curry, Willis, and Bolivolipola. I would maybe play calls off the bench at lock. You know, David Rabins, um, he, you know, he played a few minutes. He didn't look too bad himself. But yeah, I would probably try to go towards their, um, you know, their, 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 their first choice um, tight five. And just to keep some consistency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ugh, and then poor Ben Youngs. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. And I think he is, he does still serve a purpose there. But yeah, from... The bits that I saw of the match didn't seem like he had a good game. I think Jack van Poorfleet should also start. Um, I see they brought in Alex Mitchell to the squad. Poor Rafi Quirk, I think, has another injury. 
Um, yeah, and yeah, there's a lot of people that are naysayers to the Smith-Farrell combination. Yeah, I don't, from what I have seen and read, because I haven't watched the game in full yet, but it seems like the 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 the, the screws are turning a little bit on Marcus Smith and the the prince that was promised is you know people are seeming to now see that uh, maybe he's not as sort of ready ready as we think he is but obviously he's a young player so he'll have his ups and downs yeah i think he stays in the squad but i probably don't think they i think they will start um eddie jones and co will probably start alternating between smith and farrell at 10 and then they'll just adjust the back line accordingly um but yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, ben Young's, uh, like, uh, he didn't have the best game, but I really do feel that um, the Jack Van, Fort- Van Portfleet try that he scored when he came on, I definitely think Young's had a hand in it. I know it's funny to say that Young's was off the field, but they definitely had a chat when they swapped over. Young's is, is a wily character. He's super experienced, as we know. Um, and I'm pretty confident that he spotted that there was, go- there was space there but knew that maybe he just didn't have the legs to exploit it or didn't have the personnel around him to exploit it and could have given uh, Van Portfleet a little bit of a heads up, but that's just me. Um, I definitely think it's, uh, I think it's something that you probably would find from an experienced player. Jared had a little bit of a go at Kokonasiga about just the fact that he's uh, just, a, just a big guy on the side there, but I really was impressed with him. I'm super happy that he's back in form. Um, for Bath mostly and a big shout out to Bath they're two wins in a row now and uh, it's a I've, I've had two of my Bath mates message me this weekend to tell me like <laughs> hey shit man you know Bath have won two on the trot so that's great for them a bit of a turnaround but I think Kakanasiga is going to be a massive massive bonus for Eddie Jones and again I think he will remain in the squad uh, I, I think there will be times where they'll they'll start Johnny May obviously or possibly Anthony Watson at, at 15 or on the, on the wing when, he, when, he's, uh, when he's back in the mix. I, I still think Watson's got a part to play in, in England in Test match. But are there any changes you'd make uh, in, the, in the back three, uh, Tala? I, I know Freddie Stewart probably wasn't his best game, but again, he, he's quality and that's more an exception than the rule. Yeah. I yeah I genuinely don't know what to do with England. Like, I think yeah I I I I was maybe yeah maybe somewhat similar to the Springboks. I think there is you know if you're a fan of Eddie Jones, if you're a fan of like Ninob and Rasi Rasmus, you want to believe that these sort of different performances are because you know there's something being kept for the World Cup and there's a bit of a plan there and. You know, he's trying out things. They're trying out things so that they can see what their options are because you trust them and they have obviously the, the, the history to back, um, to back them up. But I think maybe less, less so with the Springboks because I think, um, you know, there's, there's a bit more room in that trade in that tire. But I think with England and Eddie, there's, I'm getting that sense of like, oh, maybe they've just been with them too long and things are not really getting through to the players. And it's just a lack of energy, man. These these players are much better than the performance that they put out on Saturday. And just some of the tries and like the highlights that I saw, like, yo, man, there's things that are still missing in this Wallaby, I mean, in this English team. They they the they are not greater than the sum of the parts. 
at the moment. So he's not mm. maximizing the talent that, that he has, which makes it difficult because there's a lot of good talented players in the premiership. I think also sidebar, maybe the premiership is not as good as, you know, English fans think it is. So, you know, everyone that scores 23 tries at the premiership is not necessarily a good um, test player, just a sidebar for English fans. But yeah, I don't think, I mean, I, I don't have too much of a problem with the backline picked apart from the number nine. So what can you do for next week? Will Johnny May be better for against Japan and New Zealand? Probably not. Is Yeah, I mean, I think there's just things that he'll have to do. It's funny because I think there's a, if, if England can find the sweet spot between sort of the power game that they had in 2019 that they went back to in Australia, where they just was like big running, big um, ball carriers going around the corner the whole time and just battering a team. And the like almost formationless, like crazy, like Scott Weismantle type rugby that they played in the back line um, in 2021 against the Springboks um, last year when they tore our back line to shreds in some of the set phase, set pieces. Like they can get those two things together. I think they can play really well. So maybe my little hot take for what to do with the English back line is the change shouldn't happen at the back three. I don't. I'm not a big fucking fuck singer fan, but he can stay. He's fine. I would go Smith, Farrell, Slade. I think that's been the best. The, 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 the times that that back, I mean, that inside channel has worked is with those three there. And yeah, maybe either two, like either off the bench or at maybe at the wing, like he was in the Springbok game, and just use him in that way. I think just have as many playmakers and ballers as possible. And not just in a <laughs> cooks let the hoopers hoop type of thing, but I think having more decision makers on the field might actually help um, them, and also just help maximize the talent that Smith has, and and they will all sort of make each other better, and then put out the the wingers as well. So okay. then, if you do have Slade there, you have less need for Noel, so you can play two leg at the wing. Unfortunately, our Joe Marchand dreams seem to be over short because he's moving okay. to study France. No, don't. I don't. I don't want to hear about it right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what a player, man! Yeah, but what do you what do you think about maybe putting in Slade? Yeah, I, I must be honest. I would much rather have Joe Marchant at 13. Um, but you can't go wrong with Slade. He, he's really he's proven. Um, he can cover at 12 and at 10 and at 15. So, yeah, it can't go wrong. Slade didn't have the best time when he came on the park. Um, but, you know, uh, I think, again, that's probably the exception and not the rule. But having a look at Argentina, I just, we cannot applaud the Argentinians without talking about one of our favorite Australians in Mark Chaker, who has probably had the fullest plate in terms of work and life ever, having coached the Lebanese rugby league team in the World Cup, which was in the UK. So he's been basically bouncing between different cities on a daily basis to coach Argentina, to coach uh, to to coach the the Lebanese side. So um, you can't look past him as being one of the masterminds behind this Argentinian sort of resurgence. Which, uh, which, yeah, I know it hurts a lot of people, especially South Africans. Everyone loves to hate Australians and, and English. So, but yeah, I'll tell you, Mark Chaker, phenomenal. 
I think wrapping up the Autumn Nations series, um, we could uh, everyone can pop on and have a look on our website um, for the fixtures, upcoming games, and all that sort of jazz. But I think it would be terrible for us not to touch base on the Women's World Cup. We had two incredible semifinals this weekend, the past weekend, the weekend coming up. The final is England, number one ranked in the world and on 6,000 games unbeaten against the hosts, New Zealand, who are number two ranked in the world. Excellent, excellent game. Um, I, I, watched, I watched Canada versus England. Uh, Canada named a, a 7-1 bench. They really, really put their hand up against England, who were much fancied. Uh, England won 26-19. Sublime effort. Um, that was followed by New Zealand versus France. Um, I'm still in the running with thinking New Zealand will go on and win it, but they were really pushed by France and uh, New Zealand beat France 25-24. And sadly for the French, they they missed a kick uh, to win it in the end and uh, a kick that most of us expected to go over. But Tyler, mm-hmm. your thoughts on everything, the semifinals and the final just before we wrap up? Okay, I only watched the England-Canada game um, mostly, so I'll just I'll speak about that, then you can maybe speak more about the France-New Zealand game. But Perfect. yeah, I think it was a really, it was a great game. Um, first of all, I think Canada has the best um, amateur team in the world right now. I think that oh. goes without saying. Like, they ran England, who's obviously on this, I don't know, 200-match winning streak or whatever it is at the moment, very, 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 very close. Um, and yeah, just, I think what was impressive about Canada was just their ability to, to punch back every time England punched. So England got off to a lead, Canada went back. England was trying to get a game and, and it seemed like when England got to sort of that 26 points that, okay, the game's over. And then Canada was able to come back and there was a moment I was thinking, oh, we might get extra time here. So Canada's ability to punch back was great. Um, the one try that, um, Trying to get her name now. Um, a Bukabum, um, who apparently, according to Sean, is the daughter of a NHL player. Um, yeah, yeah, that was just such a great line that she took. Um, Tyson Bukabum. So she was played really well, and yeah, that seven-one bench it did make a good impact. I think, you know, you you would struggle to find many other teams that can keep up with the English um, reserves because the likes of Poppy Cleal, Sadia Kabea they can all probably play um, for most start for most other teams, but they were able to keep the intensity for, for the rest of the game too. But yeah, ultimately great game from England. The big players stood up, Zoe Altcraft, uh, Molly Packer, Sarah Hunter. They, they were all the ones that did really well. The try that Abby Dow scored, um, Sean, I think that Jeez. was so amazing. You know, okay, maybe it could have been a, a penalty against England in the ruck because um, basically Canada was attacking. They were, England was on their line. England then um, got a turnover. Um, I think it was through Alex Matthews. Mm, I don't know, might not be the most legal of turnovers. And then mm. um, the ball went out wide. And yeah, between um, Ellie Kildun, you know, with those long, with that long curly hair of hers, and um, uh, and Abby Dow, they were able to finish that up. And yeah, like, I mean, the Australian try is going to be right up there. Argentina also scored a really good try. Penal scored a great try. But, you know, that I think there's a second to only the Australian try as the try of the weekend and possibly try of the year. But yeah, England did an absolute madness scoring that try. But yeah, look, I'm on the England side of the 
they'll win the World Cup. And I know New Zealand have some crazy attacking talent, but I, yeah, and, you know, as a Springbok fan, I know that a good structured team will always beat a good attacking team. Yeah, absolutely. And just on that, uh, Jeff Bjorkeboom, he, uh, he had quite a good NHL career. He played for the Oilers and Rangers. I think he played for just over a decade uh, uh, as an NHL player. So, yeah, there's obviously talents in that family. You've touched on the on the tries in the game, and it was phenomenal. And and I um I, I did watch both, but I I certainly paid a lot of attention to to the Black Ferns versus the the France game. Um, what a game! And again, like it's it's such a bummer for Drone who who missed that kick at the end, and it was um after a foul by uh, Taumata, who actually got a yellow card. So she really nearly kind of spoiled everything um, with that. But yeah, um, you know, after having Leila Arison on here and she spoke about Ruby Tui, she's, Ruby Tui scored a flippin' cracking try as well. So the Black Ferns are hunting high. They're really in the mix. They're playing at home. Things are going so damn well for them at the moment. They're learning... Um, you know, listening to the interviews and all that sort of stuff, the, the things that they're doing and the way they're approaching things is different and it's reaping the rewards. So Saturday is is going to be that day that it's going to come through and, you know, may the best team win because, uh, you know, the Red Roses versus the Black Ferns is is going to be one of the best finals out there. And I urge everyone to to get up and watch it. It's in the morning. It's played in New Zealand, so it'll be in the morning. Um, and you definitely, definitely won't uh, won't have lost out on 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 anything, uh, anything bad like sleep or anything like that. It'll be well worth it. No, it will be yeah the game of the year. A um, little bit of clash of like you know not good versus evil, but you know like just the structure and <laughs> who's, I mean, the evil? Yeah, who's the good who's the evil come tell me i don't want to say i don't want to say but yeah i think from australians i mean from a from a south african perspective just having you know the, just seeing the structure of the, the 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 red roses how they've got this long match winning streak you know they being the leaders in professionalizing women's rugby them having the women's 15s like you know this is going to be the chair on top or this should be the chair on top if they win on, on Saturday and just validate the whole process versus, you know, New Zealand sort of getting the, the, the good feel good story of winning um, at home, having Wayne Smith and pretty much a lot of like the 2011, 2015 um, rugby World cup squad, helping them out along the way, you know, the inspiration of, you know, the, the class of Portia Woodman is probably the one of the best ever. The inspiration of Ruby Toy versus you know sarah hunt who's been doing this for so long emily scarrett who's been amazing like yeah we're gonna see some amazing players there um on saturday so this is probably going to be the game of the year um i think quite easily like it'll just be a clash of styles a clash of philosophies a clash of you know two countries that have taken different routes in, in getting their women's game and i hope uh, for the new zealand side that this is a start of them appreciating the women's game more um, not only by not scheduling all black games when the women's team is playing, but also just investing in the game, getting the proper coaching. If Wayne Smith can stay for long, great. They can professionalize their game as soon as possible. Fantastic. Because those that 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 group of women deserve a lot more than what they've been given. Yeah, and I think this hopefully will set the standards because this has been a great tournament 
and has had some really good rugby. And like a lot of these women are very talented players. So hopefully this sets the standard for, for tournaments to come. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's, <laughs> I cannot wait. I really honestly can't. So, so I'm going to gonna look forward to it. So just like in, in closing, I just want to quickly go through a couple of fixtures for this weekend. Obviously the Autumn Nations Cup uh, is on, but there are two fixtures that I am really, really keen on. One is on Thursday. It's Munster versus South African A-side. Uh, we touched on this in the previous part about the South African A squad. Um, but yeah, that's going to be an epic clash. Ireland play Fiji, Italy play Australia, Georgia play Samoa, England play Japan, possible slip up there for Eddie Jones, ironically against Japan. Um, Wales versus Argentina, that's, that's probably up there with one of the games of the weekend. France, South Africa, obviously. And then the other one that I really am keen on is the Barbarians versus All Blacks 15. The final game of the weekend is Scotland versus New Zealand. But I do want to chat about the squad that the Barbarians have announced. And I'm just briefly going to go through it. But, you know, there's names of Camille Schutt, Joe, Mar- uh, Joe Marler, John Ryan, Bosch, Aaron Wainwright, Luke Whitelock, Zach Mercer, who's having a phenomenal season, Kerr Barlow, Hastoy, Teddy Thomas, Charlie Natai, um, Joe Marchant, so he's obviously not in the mix this weekend for England. Damn it. Ohio West, Joe Marchant, uh, Dylan Lates, George Bridge, Raymond Rule, Remy Piquet. So I, I tell you, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, I've had a little brief look at a possible backline and Kerbalo at nine, Ohio West at 10. On the left wing, I've got Bridge or Rule. Uh, 12, I've got Charlie Natai. 13, I've got Joe Marchant. On the right wing, I've got Teddy Thomas. And at 15, I've got Dylan Lates. And that's pretty badass. Not Tom? bad. <laughs> Imagine. No, I Imagine. Could, you, could, you, could rock, you could rock with that team. Yeah, that's, that'll be a very entertaining match. I mean, Damien McKenzie is basically the leader of the All Black uh, 15 team. You have the likes of Sean Stevenson there as well. I hope my boy Alex Nankival can also start in this game. Yeah, this will be an absolutely entertaining game, um, even if Brendan Eno was playing. <laughs> he had a mare, eh? He had a mare in the <laughs> first game. Like, that guy is just, with respect, is just slipping down. I, I was watching and I was just like, I was even putting it on the group because I was trying to bait Jared. He just didn't even get involved. But, <laughs> like, I was just like, dude, Eno's not having a good game. Like, he's made this error, that error, this. And then Eno goes to score, uh, goes and scores a try. And then I can just see Jared's like, so end. And I'm like, no, dude. But, yeah, uh, looking forward to that. What's your pick of the weekend, Tyler? Before we wrap up, I know we're running out of time. But uh, your pick of the weekend, what are you most looking forward England. to? England versus New Zealand. Um, yeah, that, that will be the game of the weekend. I think I'm going to unfortunately have to miss that and miss it live and record it. But yeah, I think that'll be the pick amongst the men's games. Oh, yeah, I think there's some really good games. Obviously, the Springbok-France game goes without saying. But I think apart from that, I think Italy-Australia will be a sneaky good game. Um, I think Italy is better than people think. And yeah, Australia is obviously very unpredictable. So you know, if Australia does rotate their squad and if Italy plays at the stand that they played in um, last weekend, this could be one of those 60 minutes gone, 20 minutes to go, Italy's five points ahead type of games. And yeah, then players coming onto the field to try and win it. So that will, okay. I think, keep, keep an eye on that game. Okay. I, um, 
you're obviously going to watch the World Cup final uh, on replay on one condition mm-hmm. is that uh, you send us a you you put up another Twitter thread that would be that would be great uh, <laughs> you find them quite I'm, entertaining I'm hopefully planning to do one for the France New Zealand game tomorrow as well beautiful beautiful um on the men's side of things I think um Besides the obvious, um, France, South Africa, but I think Wales, Argentina is going to be cracker. I think Argentina are going to go two 0 up on their on their autumn nation series tour, and um, I think the All Blacks are going to trounce Scotland. But I think Scotland will give them a little bit of work up front, especially uh, with the tight five. I think that pretty much does it and wraps up our pod of the Autumn Nations Cup. Um, Tyler, thank you so much, my man. I really, really appreciate it. And um, I think now that, that that we're done, we're looking forward to a great weekend of rugby. Yes, awesome. And yeah, hopefully great fantasy weekend um, for everyone's teams this, as well too. Oh, nudge, nudge. We all know you need it. <laughs> Sheesh, I'm a dickhead. I've got it on. No, bye, 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 Sean. Bye. <laughs> Such a dick. I know, but I, like I said, I mean, I don't have many days left in 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 the form that I'm in. So, but yeah, to the dirt trackers and everyone, thanks so much for listening. Please pop on to rugbybits.com and have a look what we have to say, and uh, like us and follow us on your favorite podcasting platform. Take it easy. Have a great weekend. Looking forward to next week. <laughs>